Job chapter 1 from verse 1 to 22. And it says, In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared, the Lord, he feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. And he owned 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels. 500 yoke of oxen and uh, 500 donkeys. And had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes. And they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cast, and cast God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. One day, the angel came to present themselves, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shun evil. Does Job fear God for, uh, for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has. He will surely cast you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well, then everything he has in his hand, in, in his, in, he has in your hand, everything, sorry, everything he has is in your hands. Put on the man himself, do not lay but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day when Job's son and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen uh, were plowing and the donkey were grazing nearby. And the, uh, and the Sabines attacked and carried them off. They put the, the servant to the sword and I am only one who has escaped uh, to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants. And I am the only one who has escaped. While he was sp still speaking, another messenger came and said, The, ch the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and raided them off. They put the serpent, the said the serpent, the servant to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped. While he was still speaking, another one, yet another messenger, came and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in uh, from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed and on them, uh, it collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who uh, has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got, uh, got up, tore his robe, shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I come, my God, from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. 
the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by changing, uh, charging God with wrongdoing. And that's the word of God. Praise be to God. Wow, let's appreciate uh, Reverend Irene. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for those of us that are here, the few of us that are here. I can see many of us are uh, tuned in and you are watching us uh, in the comfort of your home. Uh, over 50 people are tuned in. He is very much tuned and we give the Lord all the honor and all the glory. We want to talk about today faith in the times of trials. Allow me to begin by a story that I saw that was very interesting. And this story talks of a plane. And this plane had three people. A Nobel Prize winner. An old pastor. And a boy scout. And they were flying across the Atlantic. And as they were enjoying the comfort of the plane. The pilot came. On the window where they, in the cabin where the three were seated. And he came through that door unannounced. And he said that we have lost both engines. And there are only three parachutes on the plane. And then he continued to say that I have received only about a month or so ago my pilot commercial license. And I still have to serve a lot of people. So he said, I will take the first parachute. And he took the first parachute and he left. Now, after that, the Nobel Prize winner took the other parachute and he said, you know, I just got the prize the other day as the smartest, as the brightest person on planet Earth. So I have to serve the entire Earth. Remember, there were only three parachutes. And then he took the, other, the second one and he left. And then the old man who was a pastor looking at this young boy, came and said this, Son, I have lived a long life. I have put my faith in what Jesus has done for me. And I know for certain that when I die, I will go to heaven. You are young, and you have a whole life ahead of you. I want you to take the parachute that is left so that you can jump. And then your life can be saved. The young man told the old pastor, Oh, thank you very much, old pastor. Don't worry, sir, he replied. There are still two parachutes that are left. The man that won the Nobel Prize, who is known to be the smartest and the sharpest person on the planet Earth, he actually jumped with a bag, with a rugsack bag. So there is another one that is left. The question that I want to ask us here today, what do you do when you face the extreme circumstances? We can see the smartest man thought that he was doing one of the wisest things and he took the wrong bag out of those extreme situations. The question that we are asking today is that what do I do when I face the extreme situations and difficult circumstances? What do we do when we face trials? What do we do when the world like it is today faces a pandemic? And I want to suggest to us that I see quite a number of lessons here today from the life of Job. The world today is faced with this coronavirus, COVID-19. And the world is almost coming to a standstill. The world is faced with a difficult and an extreme situation. 
Today, churches would have been meeting in our normal circumstances, in our normal churches. But because of those circumstances that we are facing today, that is not going to be so. We have seen many have lost their lives. We have seen nations that are almost at a lockdown. As a country, we are saying we need to be a bit careful. What do we do in those circumstances as the children of God? The book of Job is one of those books that talks in those circumstances and talks to the situations that we face today. The book of Job is one of those celebrated pieces of biblical literature. It explores some of the most profound and some of the most difficult questions that human beings ask throughout our lives. The dominant theme of this book is the difficulty of understanding why an all-powerful God allows good people to suffer. And someone actually said, why does an all-powerful God allow anyone to be good anyway? Because all of us, there is none that is good. Job wants to find a way to justify God's action, but he cannot understand why there are evil people, people who want to harm the childless. For example, if you go to chapter 24, verse 21, he says, they prey on the barren, and the childless woman and the widow, they show no kindness. And yet, at the same time, these people look like they are doing well. Job's friends, they come to almost ridicule him, though they come in the name of comfort. Whether it is Elihu, whether it is, it, it, it is all of them, they come and they want to see and to say that God distributes outcomes, each to a person according to their deeds. Job, as we read in chapter 1, is indeed a very wealthy man. We are told that he was living in a land of Uz with a large family and extensive investment in the, in the name of flocks. We are also told that he was a blameless man. We are told that he was an upright man, always careful to doing evil or to avoid evil. Verse 6 says that one day, Satan, the adversary, appears before God. And this is not known to Job. In other words, there are certain things that happen in the spiritual realm that we do not know of. And then they come and they affect our daily lives. So in this meeting, Job is not aware of what is happening. But it looks like Satan goes to God with other angels, camouflaging with other angels. And God asks, have you seen my servant Job? And God talks so well about Job. And Satan says, Job only loves you because of the good things that he has. And then somehow Satan is given the permission to go and take everything that Job had. And therefore, we find the calamity. At some point, as he continues, he goes back and he's told to do anything to Job, but just to spare the life of Job. And therefore, Job comes down with a disease. That was affecting him so bad. In the course of one day, as we see, Job receives four difficult messages. His livestock is gone. His servants are gone. All his riches are gone. Even his children are dying. Satan appears again in heaven. And Job is afflicted with a horrible skin disease. His wife encourages him to curse God. But Job refuses and Job says that I will stay with my God regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what I'm going through, regardless of whether I lose everything, 
I will continue to stay with my God. So people may tell him, even his wife, can you cast God so that you just die because the circumstances you are facing are difficult. The Job's friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, they come to visit, sitting in with Job. In silence for seven days out of respect for his mourning. And almost telling him that what you are going through is because of what you have done. Eliphaz at some point responds that Job, who has comforted other people, now shows that he never really understood their pain. Eliphaz believes that Job's agony must be due to some sin Job has committed. And he urges Job to seek God's favor. Bildad, on the other hand, says that, and, 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 Zohar, and, and, and Zophar, they agree that Job must have committed an evil. So that that's what Job was going through, was because of what he had done. And the world, again, as I said, is facing these very difficult circumstances. And as we go on, I realize that as much as Job is in an extreme example of trials, he's also a good example of faith. And his faith was so deeply rooted that it was not as easy for Satan to sift him as Satan must have thought. I realize that roots of some of our faith are sometimes barely, barely topsoil. And what I mean that if it's barely topsoil is that anything that comes can move us away. Anything that comes makes us to give up. And yet, as I look at the life of Job, that is not the case. I also realize that the substance of Job's strength should be and can be ours, each and every one of us, as we go through this very trying moment. That substance of Job's strength can be yours and can be mine. And that substance is this, that he knew God so well and he lived for God so well and compromising any of his situations. No wonder God himself says that there is none on earth like him. Job is so blameless. Three things that I want us to look at this as we look at this text. Number one, and if you are at home, please write this. Those of us that are here, please also write this. Number one is the place of trials. Number one, I said, is what? The place of trials. Number two is the providence of God. What did I say? Those that are here and those that are watching, number two is the providence of God. And number three, the power of God over life. Can you repeat it again after me? The power of God over life. So the three things that we are talking about, those that are watching at home and those that are here, number one is the place of, number two is the providence of, and number three is the power of God over life. Let's begin the place of trials. You know, as we look at the job, the, the, the life of Job, we come to one realization. That Job was going through a very, very difficult moment and circumstance. And I've always said, those of us that come to our church, 
that many times or sometimes when we go through difficult circumstances or situations, there are two components to it. One component to it is there are trials and circumstances, difficult circumstances that we go through because of our own making, because of something that we have done. And if the circumstances and the trials that we are going through is because of something that we have done, then the first thing that we need to do is to come and undo that which we have done. If it is a sin, we come to God and we confess. And I thank the Lord that yesterday through the national day of prayer that was called by our president, significant part of that time was actually given to repentance. So if it's something that we are going through because of what we have done, then we just come to God and ask God forgive us. And I pray that the world, we will be bold enough and ask the question, how did we get coronavirus? And if at all it's something that we did as human beings that needs to be undone, we come to God and ask for his forgiveness. The second thing that I see when we face trials is there's many things that are beyond our control. Like Job here, they were beyond his control. And those again will come to God and ask that God come and help us. Since the fall of mankind, death and disease, sickness and suffering entered the world and therefore will continue to live with suffering. We live on a planet full of challenges. So while suffering is linked with evil, it is also can be linked sometimes to just normal circumstances that we go through in life. Trials, when we go through trials, as we talk about the place of trials, trials can bring the best out of us, but they can also bring the worst out of us. Trials can give us opportunities to make things better, like I've talked about issues of repentance. Trials can also cause us to go an extra mile and even to get the cure for this which we are suffering from now. Trials, the place of trials, can give us the opportunities to make amends and to see the things that we need to do well that we may not have done well. Trials gives us the opportunity to go back to God. And how I am thrilled somehow in the midst of the circumstances that nearly I have seen close to 10 nations that are having their prayers either yesterday and today saying that we need to turn back to God. And so what are we saying? That trials will be there in our lives. But trials can bring the worst out of us, but also the best out of us. We cannot escape the place of trial as long as we live in this world. Trials brings the best out of us or not the best out of us. Sometimes sufferings can be good because it is for our good. Job understood this. That is why when the commodities of his comfortable lives were snatched away, he didn't view it as something purely evil. He didn't even say, what is the devil up to? He didn't say, God, where are you bringing this to me? It was indeed a time for him to reflect and to say, 
Naked I came into this world, and naked will I leave this world. Jesus Christ talking said this, that a good man brings good things out of the good that is stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil that is stored up in him. So two things out of trials, the place of trials. One is that in as long as we live in this world, there are circumstances that will come to overwhelm us. But number two is that as they come, depending on how we react, we can either get the best out of the circumstances or the worst out of circumstances. Our second point is the providence of God. When we talk about the providence of God, we basically talk about God who is in charge over all the affairs of the world. We talk about a God who is a sovereign God. We talk about God who is a supreme God. We talk about God who is in charge over everything that is happening. God is in charge of the affairs of the world and directing the affairs of the world. But as he's directing the affairs of the world, he does so with benevolence. It used to be you could use the word providence and God interchangeably. But now that is not necessarily the case. People took and have taken for granted the reality that God rules over every affair of the world, of the universe. Every event of history and every detail of our personal lives that God even numbers the very hairs on our heads. Jesus said so. So God is in charge over the affairs of the world. Even as coronavirus is hitting the world, God is still a supreme God. Even as we are going through the challenge, God is still God. Even when it is so difficult, we can't move freely the way we would want to. God is still sovereign. And therefore, we talk about the providence of God. But since enlightenment and the rise of capitalism worldview, we are trusting more in ourselves, abilities, and knowledge. Not knowing or sometimes forgetting that the ability that you have, that the ability that I have, everything that we have, we are given by this sovereign God. I like and I want to quote our president when he was uh, part of this prayer gathering that he called yesterday. And he was saying this, that sometimes and now people are saying that we run to science. But he said that even science needs God. So God is in charge over everything. Job had no idea what was going on in the heavens. He wasn't privy to the chamber room conversations. And yet he gave God the benefit of the doubt. He knew who was the porter and who was the clay. And as the clay, he didn't say to the porter, do you know what you are doing? No, Job never wavered in his faith. Paul, writing about the supremacy of God, says that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things have been made 
and have been created through him and for him. I want to tell us and I want to tell the world today, we always need to know and to get back and to be so much rooted in God to know that whether it is a time of locusts in our nation, Kenya, of course I have said if it's because of the sins that we made, we need to make amends with God. Whether it's the days of drought, God is still God. Whether it's the days of coronavirus, God is still God. Job realized that material and spiritual prosperity are divine gifts. And as divine gifts, they can be freely given and they can be freely taken away by a God who is all-time powerful. He must have known the peace, the prosperity, self-security, and happiness can become perils that threaten to hinder or prohibit one from undertaking and continuing the arduous journey of faith. He must have believed that suffering possesses the strange but beautiful power of liberating one's soul from the seduction of safety and the love of temporal perishable goods. In these days, he anticipates the Christian necessity of the cross-bearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so number one, the place of trials. Number two, the providence of God. And number three and the last is the power of God. And basically the power of God means that God comes through for us in all circumstances. Job was convinced that God is able. No wonder when you come to chapter 19 verse 25, he says this, that I know that my Redeemer lives, and when the time comes, he will show himself strong. God is powerful, and God is able to come through for us. A young boy was traveling by aeroplane to visit his grandparents, and he sat beside a man who was a theologian, a professor. And the boy was reading a Sunday school take-home paper, and the professor thought that he would uh, make a joke with a child. And he told the young man, young man, said the professor, if you can tell me something that God can do, I will give you a nice and a wonderful chocolate. The little boy thought for a moment and then replied, Mister, if you can tell me something that God cannot do, then I will give you a whole box of chocolates. How do we conclude, therefore, that God is powerful? And because Job knew the place of trial, the providence of God, the power of God, he decided to stay put. And you see that in the end, Job actually was restored. If you go to chapter 42, verse 10, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. If you go to chapter 42, verse 12, the Bible says again that the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. Therefore, he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. In other words, trials will have its place. Trial, we may have them, but if we know the providence of God, and if we know the power of God, God can come through for us. Therefore, this is the time for the entire world to come so close to God and seek the face of the Lord. And as I, as I conclude, let me ask the worship team to please come and join me here. That there is a place of trial, 
but there's a president, the providence of God. And beyond the providence of God, there is also the power of God. And so, Father, we come before you and we want to surrender to you. We want to pray that, Lord, by your grace, you will have mercy on this planet. That, Lord, by your grace, if coronavirus has come because of something that men did, we ask that you forgive us. But, Lord, we also seek your face because you are an all-powerful God. You are a God who is in charge over the affairs of the universe. Lord, we ask that you'll come through for us in a way that no man can because you remain an almighty God. Lord, how we want to pray for our nation, we pray that you protect us. Lord, my prayer for this nation, beginning with yesterday, that you will continue to draw us back to you. That, Lord, we continue to seek your face and that we continue to be close to you. So that even when Satan comes to tempt us like Job was, we will say, I will not move away from my God. And Lord, I know that after all is said and done, on the other end, we will emerge victorious. How we want to pray for nations that have been so much affected. We thank you, Lord, for the nation of China. We thank you that they are coming out of it. But Lord, we pray that it will not recur. We commit the nation of Italy to you one of those that is very mostly affected. Lord, will you come through in your power? We commit the nation of Iran. Lord, will you come through in your power? We commit the nation of the United States of America. Lord, will you come through in your power so that the restoration will come and will get a double fold because we know and we believe that you are a God who is providential. You are a God who is in charge of the universe and you are a God who is all-powerful. And after all is said and done, Lord, remind us to come back to you and say, yes, Lord, you've given us the victory. For this we ask, trusting and believing in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 The place of trial, the providence of God and the power of God. Amen. Thank you for using our online platforms uh, to give. We've come to the end of our service. We just want to make the final prayer. But again, thank you so much for many of you that have been watching. Let us pray. And then uh, if you're in your home, it's okay. You are, we are having a church at home. Please stand so that we can pray together. And hold your neighbor's hand even all these days of quarantine. At home, not in the church. Amen. And so, Lord, we thank you for the giving of your people. We pray that, Lord, that which we have given this morning will only be used for the extension of your kingdom. We want to pray that as we now dispatch and we finish our service, that the favor of the Lord and the blessings of the Lord be with each and every one of us. How I pray that your protection will be with each and every one of us in our homes and the few of us that will have to travel, that the protection of the Lord will be with you. And so may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord be gracious to you. And may the Lord give you peace. For this is my prayer for you and over you. In the name of God who is the Father and who is the Son and who is the Holy Spirit. And we all said, Amen. I said we all said, Amen. Amen. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. 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 The Lord bless you. Have a wonderful week.